This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the preview show edition of the Blue Monday podcast, a three times weekly show looking into all things Andrews Town. I'm your host, Richard Woodward, and I'm delighted to welcome back the brilliant Harry from Bath. Harry, how's it going? Hi, Rich. Hi, everyone. Great to be back on again as we head up to the... Where where is Staffordshire? Is it West Midlands? Is it... Potteries. Potteries. I think it's above the... Yeah, it's a really interesting debate. As a Midlander... I would yeah. not class Stoke as Midlands. I think it's too far north. So I'm going for its own little... This, the, it's, it's, the county of Staffordshire, I think. I know we're straight into geography here, but it's, it's fascinating. Northampton's another one of those. We're, it's not East Anglia. Yeah. It's not the West Midlands. I don't think it's, it's East Midlands County. I think it's... it's not East, yeah. No, it's, it's, in, it's, it's it just... But it fulfills a, a perfect role in its place. Stoke is, inter- no, Stoke is interesting. I have, a, I have a very good friend... Paul, I'm, I'm heading up to the game with him. I'm si- possibly sitting not him with the away fans. He's a meeting. Oh, you and Ben. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Prawn sandwiches. Yeah, well, I don't know if we prawn sandwiches. It's joke. Stoke. Anyway, it's <laughs> joke. We'll see. But whatever it is, anyway. Oat cakes. We love oat cakes. Oat cakes. Um, and uh, but at the um, the the uh, I've you know the way you have a team. They're not. You don't support them, but because a good friend of yours supports them, you lend them your. You have sympathies and affection for them. Yes. Well, Paul. Well, Paul blessed them after we beat Swansea. Stoke beat Norwich that day, and I got the, when I got back to my car, the first text I had was from Paul, just saying, "Wow!" And we beat the budgies as well, and he even called them the budgies, which was fantastic. Oh, well, there you go. So, so there is a you know, mutual affection, which means we'll draw on Saturday, surely. <laughs> surely that means a loving draw where we can we can oh, yeah with, with a warm embrace. No, it's all good. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm clutching at straws, oh, Harry. Anything exactly. I can, yeah. Hence my shirts behind me. This is uh, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, yes, indeed. people have figured these ones out. Indeed, I, I should, we should have referenced them last week. It's a, a feature called Richard's Precariously Hung Kits of the yeah. Week. <laughs> Gravity is, yeah, if they fall behind me, um, do let me know. Uh, we'll pause the video and I'll have to reset them. But um, there is a Stoke theme um, to indeed. these kits. Um, mm. I'll see if I... Right, there you go. Yeah. Give, give everyone the years, Rich, and then people can have a think about it for anyone watching and then we'll come back to it near the end. Yeah, and, it's not and, cryptic. Let's what they are. I, I'm yeah. def- if there's anything I'm not, it's, very, it's cryptic. I'm yeah. very plain. Uh, that is um, 95 to 97. 
um, mm-hmm. our lovely faded run out of blue ink, blue paint kit. Yeah. Uh, and this is 2003, 2005, um, the era of Coochie and Bent. So oh. those kits have a good Stoke theme to them, a positive vibe, unlike last week's kits. Um, for those yes. of you who spotted those, um, I, I, a couple of people did a forgive me for getting your names, um, <coughs> but they were the, the last two kits that we rele- relegated in. So um, oh. that was my feelings after um, Bristol City, and those feelings were exacerbated um, on Saturday after Forest, Harry. Um, yeah. This is, uh, to me, this is kind of the first really crappy performance under Lambert, and uh, Forest, we d- we didn't hold up much hope, did we? Frankly, when we went no. through the team, um, but quite a few bits of shuffling from Lambert, um, Bishop coming in, which is I guess positive. Um, yeah. Grant Ward coming back in as well. Uh, Jackson having a start, um, but it didn't really make much difference, did it? And yeah. we debated Bart um, last week as well, and unfortunately for mm-hmm. him, he's in the headlines again. He is indeed. A couple of quick thoughts. Um, as I said, we won't dwell on it, but Forest underestimate them at your peril I think they're growing into the season they really are there's a team they've formed their identity and they're they're, they're strengthening as time goes on I think they're a growing force it'll be interesting to see what they do in January mm. and it's interesting a couple of weeks ago I think it might have been last week Ian on Twitter he asked he asked about Barton whether he should have been taken out of the out of the limelight, and we kind of went for the kind of stock answer: "Oh no, protect him! You know he's got to be in there. He's you know it's all you know you know balancing everything." But I off maybe it was better not to not not to knock his confidence by dropping him. But I don't know. I think in one way he might have been right in hindsight to say, "Well, maybe take Bart out." But I think the wider question is just about how he's being managed mm. rather than thinking about whether he should are we asking the wrong question as to whether he should play or not play is it more a question of where to get him to a good place in a few months time we'll come on and talk about Jack Butland in a bit because Butland started the season he's been injured and he had a loss of form last year with the relegation fight that they had and he is slowly building confidence as the season has gone on okay. he's gone from they were worried about him back in August but now as time has gone on he's built he's kind of he's, he's kind of growing in confidence and he's getting sharp sharp was a clever word that several of them used but I think that's it that's it with Bart I think it's a question of rather than saying does he play or not just trust Paul and the coaching team to think okay to get him right in the long term because as I mean there was a brilliant they just there was a the naked football show I think discussed him and they talked about the fact that you don't go from being we've we've had this conversation as well um but Graham and Phil said talked about him not going from being three times player of the year to being appalling that that just doesn't happen and it, it's maybe it's a question of stepping back so mm. if he's if he, if he doesn't go out you know because Stoke will be going into the you know you're going back into another proper battle um on saturday it might be it might be safer to take him out i don't know but i'll trust i trust i trust lambert's judgment either way we uh, uh, i mean we've been advocates for consistency in selection haven't we to try and build yeah. those those partnerships those bonds as you call them um, <coughs> mm. but i guess for with a goalkeeper it's a slightly different situation if you start to make um unforced errors as it were yeah yes that the shot had power but and it wasn't really tracked and chased down particularly yeah. well but right down the middle um mm. and the bristol city goal the first one as well uh, i think you're yeah. right i mean we we've you talked about this last week you know um if there's a, a a worse way to manage a player a goalkeeper than what hurst did with um with bart then <laughs> then tell yeah. us we'd love to see it um yeah and I think maybe it's just getting him out of the firing line might literally <laughs> might do yeah. the 
might yeah. do the job. But, but we've got questions yeah. on this certainly. So yeah, but but doing it in a managed way rather than announcing it an hour and a half before kickoff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a sh- yeah. An arm around the shoulder helps. Yeah, um, I mean we don't we don't we don't to plunge everything. I mean, there's a bit of a nautical theme as when we come on to the, I know with, with some of the questions today, but I will Muller does some brilliant match reports on TWTD, and he did put. I'm going to read this out because it it kind of sums us up a little bit at the moment. This is how it feels. Not, as I say, it's not you know we don't we might start playing this is the end or whatever. It's not that it's not meant to be that because there <laughs> is the we'll, string quartet from the Titanic <laughs> out for you. Yeah, Absolutely, no, goes, uh, this is a great line. It was a great paragraph he put in his report on Forest. He says, "When you're cut adrift, which is where we are, you can't control the waves that hit you. You can hold your breath, you can pray, you can kick and gasp and fight. Some of the waves will sweep clean the deck. Some will engulf. Some will break you, and some will drown you." Every hole Lambert plugs in the lineup seems to send the pressure elsewhere and splits open a new leak. I mean, it's funny because we were all worried about Spence. And then on Saturday, no, it was Nutson's turn to have a, yeah. an interesting game. Or, the, or not so much Nutson, but the left flank. We thought, right, we've, OK, we've tightened up the right flank now. It's all kind of, we battened the hatches down there. And then suddenly, bang, the gasket goes on the other side of the pitch. And Dariqua has his game of the season, which was the forest right back. And, um, you know, it wasn't just the goal, but there were several times that were just... And then in the second half, then the midfield, then, you know, we suddenly became porous through the centre. You could see them flooding forward. Yeah. Um, and the second yeah. goal, heads, heads inevitably drop because um, yeah. you know we just we are not coming back from that squad at the moment. No. Um, that was poetic from Muller. That was um, I would I would give that a salute, yeah. a nautical salute. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I I you know the Sunday show did a really good job of of going through that and. Um, Amy gave an interesting <laughs> critique on Jordan Spence, which is worth a listen as well. Um, her opinions are not, um, yeah, not subtle <laughs> on him. Um, but yeah, it felt like Spence had at least got the instructions to stop crosses and Nudson less so. So we'll figure out, well, we'll see what happens on Saturday with him. Um, before we get to Forest, um, Stoke, sorry, before we go up the M6 to the region unyet defined from our <laughs> lack of geography knowledge. Um, <laughs> The AGM was this week. There's a couple of bits mm. that I just wanted to bring out. We will t- we will come back and talk about Marcus Evans later on. Both you and I um, have a B&R bonnet about Marcus Evans. Um, but just very quick thoughts on the debt owed to Marcus Evans um, being 95.5 million um, up to 95.5 million. Um, and um, this quote that the TV revenue if we were to be relegated from to League One, would go from seven million to seven hundred thousand in one fell swoop. Those are stark figures, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's frightening. It's uh, somebody else on TWTD said uh, the same regurgitated noise about our worst finish for fifty-eight years is nothing compared to what's coming. I mean, it's, yeah. it feels like it, it feels. I don't. I don't want to get into the politics at the moment, but there's a kind of a, a no deal Brexit kind of doomsday scenario, <laughs> kind of you know, you know. It does feel the know, same, doesn't it? I was thinking exactly need, the same thing. We need to stockpile players because <laughs> <laughs> as long as they've got British passports, that as long fine, as they've got yeah. British passports, exactly that. You know. Oh dear God, no! I don't know. The debt thing is never. I don't know. I've always seen that as it's a bit like when Bolton. I know they've had other subsequent problems, but when Bolton's owner. They wrote off. He he wrote off a great big chunk of money in the end. It was, um, I don't know. We will let's we'll come on to Marcus Evans later. But it's 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 hard to divine exactly what his strategy is. We've heard his version of the footballing strategy, which unravelled over the summer. Yeah. But it's it's more his financial strategy in terms of what what what, what his plan is. Um, so I'm I'm less. 
I'm the 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 death thing. I I can park that. It doesn't bother me so much. But the it's the it's the other aspect. The the drop in income, the knock on effect of that, and that's when suddenly you know Portsmouth and Coventry and Sheffield United yeah. a few years ago start to suddenly these are questions that we've managed to kind of brush out of our thinking and then suddenly thinking right that's what we're working with you know then let's polish up that academy that's yeah. the first thing you think of straight away but as I say we come on to Evans later but that's that was an absolute bucket of cold water during the week when mm. that came I have to say mm. let's move swiftly on then we uh, we will come back we'll talk about these yeah. um, rooms of him selling but also how much culpability he has um, with our current situation <laughs> let's talk Stoke yeah. Um, an interesting one, Stoke, because there's a lot of um, of the Premier League squads still there. There were some big name um, additions as well in the summer, not least the manager. Um, but mid-table results that I think have started to improve recently. But um, and an interesting exit from the Checker Trade Trophy in midweek. Did you see this? I did. Yeah. Three thousand fans to Port Vale for. This local derby and then destroyed the away end as well, but got smashed 4-0 by Port Vale, which I think is a nice endorsement for this under-23s debacle in the Checker Trade Trophy. But anyway, um, but um, yeah, I mean, every team at the moment has got um, things on us, haven't they, that make this this game difficult for us. Um, I'm just looking through the squad and, you know, Ben's favourite, Ryan Woods, is in there. Obviously, Tom Ince is in there. Um, Fove's in there. It's um, it's not going to be easy, is it, Harry? It's an it's a it, it, well the most telling statistic, and this we'll come back to as I say we talk about Evans later, but this is the reality of life in the Championship now. The problem is for Evans that a team like Stoke the, will happily spend fifty million. Several fans said that the, it's roughly that figure that they've blown this summer, and they've only built half a team, which we'll talk about. We'll come on and talk about now. They're in the middle of a major restructure and okay. they're, 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 they've spent 50 million and they're still not balanced mm. they've got quality but it kind of highlights the fact in i mean you know people know i own a little bookshop in bath and in retailing terms the way i can describe the championship it's like the streets we're trading on has gone massively up market and the pace of change as well has the tempo has gone up i mean yeah. you know the, the idea 10 years ago when evans came in of spending 50 million on a squad on half a squad yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know just you know that is where we are and that is the reality you know that, you accept that or leave or i don't be know relegated or, to or, or, be rele- yeah. or be relegated to league one exactly yeah, exactly yeah. The anyway, so, <laughs> yeah so as i say the, the, the thing is looking at stoke now it's um just putting it in context the, the one thing you have to bear in mind that they do have a few grumbles, but all these criticisms need to be seen in the context of the level of the quality they have in the squad. So when they're yeah. digging players out, except the fact that 12 months ago, two years ago, they were a pretty established Premier League team. They made a few poor judgments. It went badly wrong with Hughes. Lambert, who is highly respected there still, um, couldn't couldn't arrest the slide. And now they're, as I say, they are where they are. So allow for the fact that probably most of their subs bench they're they're in the halves like Forest like West Brom we've talked about before they're in that group of halves um, it's interesting but, just very quickly you talked about yeah. Mark Hughes there I don't, I don't know if you picked yeah. up anything on Mark Hughes from Stoke but obviously mm-hmm. he left his job at Southampton this week I mean, it's, has, it's crazy yeah. how many jobs he gets in lower mid-table Premier League clubs and has <laughs> taken teams to the brink and yeah. then left before the worst happens and still gets yeah. jobs I just don't yeah. it, 
he's the either luckiest guy alive or the most unlucky guy alive, either one. But uh, yeah, he he put he sowed the seeds for that relegation for Stoke, didn't he, Hughes? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, they put it on him. No question. The the transfer dealings were were were. He didn't he didn't balance the team properly, and they they just, they simply couldn't defend it. There was no leadership as well, mm. and he, they were unlucky. People like Shawcross is a fading star, and so when that happens, there was there there were so many games where they were one nil up, and even and when Lambert, who's the arch motivator, as we've seen, they simply couldn't hold on. Um, the lack of leadership in the team, and of course you get into that cycle where players are start looking out for their own interests. Is that 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 sense of okay, you know, well I'm not going to be here next year. People starting to look glance over their shoulder and think, right, what's my what's my exit strategy kind yeah. of thing. You know, there was all of that suddenly snowballed. Um, but um. Yeah, Hughes. You know, Hughes is an interesting one. He was brilliant, I think, early in his career at Blackburn, and I think, but Wales was one Wales, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then, and then after that, he seems to have traded off that. Because he was ever at Man since. City for quite a while as well, and before, I he think was. before the money kicked in, and then because yeah. I think he signed Rubinho <coughs> for City. I think he was. There's a photo of Rubinho who can't speak a word of English and probably doesn't know what time of day it is holding on my shoe. So yeah, share with God. Hughes, but. There's a name. I remember he played against. It was a. I had it on five live commentary, and it was a, a, a January game. It was minus three. It was. At, I think it was away to Spurs at the time. Might have been even Redknapp Spurs. And and it was clear listening to the radio commentary that they were that Man City were a man light, and Spurs were ploughing their way down that wing, and the poor fullback, whoever he was sitting in front of, was completely exposed. He, you know, this was. You know the, the the old karaoke footballer. The, every cliche about you know Brazilians not wanting to turn up. You know this was it was a bitterly cold. You know those January nights. You well, I wonder if he ever turned yeah. up on a cold yeah. night in Stoke. <laughs> cold Tuesday night in Stoke was there. Yeah, exactly. The from the boys, aren't it? Yeah, yeah we're gonna have, we're gonna have a cold December afternoon in oh, Stoke. It's really funny. Not too cold. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Where should um, we start then? Let's have a look because I actually let's start. Look, the best place to start with Stoke is looking at the last three games because they sum up their season. Um, since the since the break, they've had two two all draws, at home to Queens Park Rangers and away to Reading, bracketing a heroic two one win when they were down to ten men against Derby. Frank Lampard's Derby. Frank Lampard's Derby. Forgive me. Indeed, <laughs> yes. Taste the difference. It's um, they and that sums up their season. Yeah, that that two two last week was a bit of a. Those results. Yeah, yeah, not going for us. It's but. a killer. They're very an excruciating season. The sense of being distinctly average, um, one step forward, two steps back. What are they? They're, I think there's something like six games unbeaten, one defeat in eleven. They are coming back from a very slow start to the season, so it's taken them time to adjust to the championship. But they, it's particularly the QPR and um, and Reading results frustrated them. They were ahead in both games. I think Queens Park Rangers got their equaliser. Angel Rangel hammering up the right completely. Unmarked, he was completely lost by McLean. Comes in, smashes the ball in for an equaliser, and um, some questionable substitutions to go with that by Rowett. Um, and one of them said this, but yet they'll go out down to 10 men. A table gets sent off, I think, after around half an hour, and heroically they go out and beat the the great derby of Frank Lampard, you know, with 10 men. They go back even after Lampard's team equalize, and then they come back and beat them 2 1. And it was a battling win, it was it was heroic, it was bodies on the line stuff. Stoke and Derby is a bit of a is it is a derby, if I can use if you forgive the pun. Um, they're very close to each other, and my friend Paul What's was the 
derby as well, isn't it? It is. It is, of course. Yes, it's uh, they, they, there's, and they, 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 they haven't played each other in a while either. I think so. It was a, it, it was quite a spicy game. But one of them summed this up. He said, "It seems like in every game you have to brave yourself for some kind of setback. They can't seem to even against Derby when they won. They, you know, they had a man sent off and they had to dig. They literally had to dig out a victory. Um, and some of this comes back to Rowett because it, it, it's." Every manager has their philosophy of play. And I've always felt Rowett is a counter-attacking manager. And mm. this is something that has come up. Their win against Derby was then playing on the counter with Derby coming onto them. Against Queen's Park Rangers and against Reading, there were teams who were broadly sitting back against them. But even though Rowett's reflex... Now, they were 2-1 up in both games, um, Stokeware. But even though they were ahead, Rowett's inclination to sit back... and well, I don't know whether he was trying to play in the counter. Effectively, what it did was it brought both teams onto him, and they weren't able to counterpunch. They were suddenly they were they were sitting too defensively, and they can't put. We, basically, when they go two one up, Stoke fans want them to go for three, go for four, go for five, yeah. just blow them out of the water, stop this because they have got the quality, but they don't do it. One of them summed it up. They said with Rowett, he plays the same way Tony Pulis did in the Premier League. He'd reduce the game to a scrap decided by a lucky bounce. That's fine if you're squeezing results against the like of Spurs in the top flight, but when you're doing it to finish mid-table in the Championship, it's time to give up. Against Reading, he switched to a back five. He took off McLean, a winger, and Klukas, who's been the, probably the most attacking of their midfielders, and he threw on Darren Fletcher, who is a holding midfielder at that. <laughs> yeah, but he also then had, a, and he also put on Ashley Williams. So they had, they were playing with a back five. Now the thing you know about Reading, we saw this a few weeks ago, You, the thing to do is to cut the supply lines off to the front three. You don't let Barrow get the ball. You don't let Mayday get the ball because if they get it, they can hurt teams. Yeah. They're fair. I think Reading had something like two or three shots on target and they scored from them. That's what they, that's what Reading do. You know they don't get many chances, but they can they can be ruthless with them. But yet against Derby, as I say, you know the heroics were there. It was it was phenomenal, and I think that sums up their season. They feel there's too much daylight, particularly when they're looking at the quality of the teams above them. And you've got Leeds, you've got West Brom, you've got um, Forest, who are all really gaining serious momentum. They're they're worried. What are they? I think they're seven points off the playoffs. Um, they now need to start seeing wins, wins, wins yeah. to be able to keep pace because the tempo of that little cohort at the top isn't going to slacken you know, between now and the end of the season. So It's really interesting. The thoughts yeah. you've got on Rowett there would be exactly mm. the same criticisms or well, at Birmingham City, that was absolutely essential for them because yeah. at that point with no money um, or lesser <laughs> money um, that was the way they had to play. Then he went to Derby um and I think the same criticism that we just said of his Stoke team were true of Derby because Derby had got used to kind of McLaren ball, sexy yeah. football, passing it around, attack, attack, attack. And I think Derby fans got frustrated with the um, we'll shut up shop or we'll hit on the account, on the counter. And yeah. I don't think we're particularly sad to see him go, but obviously um, accused him of being a bit of a snake and jumping ship and all that stuff. But I don't think they've missed him. And I think probably Lampard's a better fit. And yeah. you look at this squad, as I mentioned at the start, you know, there are attacking players, there are Premier League players in here. And to see a team that could be on the front foot and could absolutely dominate this league, there are not mm. many better squads than Stokes, I think comes down to Rowett <coughs> and his philosophy. And let's yeah. not forget that he's moved from Birmingham to Derby to Stoke with um, from Burton as well before, with not a yeah. huge amount of pedigree at championship level. He's not got a promotion 
on his CV, has he? Um, I was always surprised about that one. It's interesting. There's a, is there a parallel with Hughes? Because they said the same thing about, or they've been saying the same thing about Rowett as you were saying about Mark Hughes. Well, actually, let's count up his promotions. Let's mm. count to show, to show me your medals done, as a manager. Yeah. Kind of, what has he actually done? Yeah. One of them described a mediocre mid-table manager, mediocre mid-table championship manager, yeah. I should say. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, um, which is all he's got on his CV. Yeah. Let's not forget. I think did he get Derby to a playoff semi final? He did. He did. Yeah, that was that was the yeah. But then with the squad that they had, that's possibly a par performance. So um, right. um, yeah, the, I mean the style of football, it's it's a kind of it's a recurring theme. As I say, against as I said, they did play on the counter in that win against against Derby. So give you know allow for yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but and they but beat it, Norwich and they you know drawn yeah, with Borough. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, but this is the thing, and they drew away to Forest. Exactly that. Mm. Against the stronger teams, their their model works really well because they've got quality and they've got space that they can actually attack. You go out, and they're, they're worried that because we know Lambert isn't somebody who's sitting back and parking the bus, but that's what he did in the Premier League, and that's what they're expecting him to do on Saturday. Oh, okay. And therefore, expect they're expecting they think Lambert is a better defensive manager than Rowett they think he'll be able to he'll be able to set them up he'll be able to set us up he would certainly set them up way 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 better at the back but looking at the style of football and this echoes just what we were saying about a team playing on the counter they generally Butland generally rolls the ball out they do build from the back that's the model but then passing from side to side before lumping it long when there's nowhere to go too passive too cautious we do not press high or aggressively our transition from back to front should be at a much higher tempo one of them just said we are so boring Mm. (laughs) um and then this this is the killer comment which we talked about earlier with the QPR and then the Reading game. Um, why, when we're winning a game, do we lose all ability and invite opponents on every time for shooting practice? It's uh, it's you know to say just echoing what we were saying earlier. Um, some of this you have to allow for the fact is about a team finding its identity, and the one thing you have to give him some permission for is the fact that post relegation the squad is still lacking some balance it's quite an aging back line mm. they've got they've got um Shawcross well, Williams and Shawcross yeah, as well and Shawcross yeah. as well that's the that's seen as the strongest back pairing they've got Eric Peters at left back and they've got um they've they've they brought in they they're actually they've brought in a younger player um right back a youth prospect who's broken into the team uh, called Tom Edwards and he's fairly lively but the plan B has been Cuco Martina who's also 29 so it's a fairly it's a fairly static Bruno Martins Indy as well. It's mm. a fairly stat it's a static defence. Um the midfield as well is it's they're all good players, but they're all very similar. There's a lack of there's a lack of balance in the team. You've got they one of them said we could really do with a Marouane Fellaini style bully in there. The two main the two automatic choices pretty much are Ryan Woods and um and uh, uh we Joe and we Joe exactly Joe Allen and Sam Clucas then is has sat in front of those as well and there's there's if you look at those three together there's not normally at the midfield three you'll have a sitter you'll have somebody who's feisty and tigerish you'll have somebody who's energetic and bustling a ball to ball and you'll have somebody with imagination and vision Clucas has possibly got a little bit more athleticism possibly a little bit more vision but Woods and Allen they are I wouldn't say they're quite interchangeable but they're there's there's not a lot between them. There's, they feel there's similar not... to me. Yeah, I, they I, are... I have them as box to box players. They are yeah. sprightly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Woods was definitely good for for Brentford and kind of in the engine room yeah. for Brentford. Yeah. Um, but they are. Yeah, they're very very similar actually when you when you think yeah. about it. 
similar comments about them both um, uh, they were saying about Joe Allen and Ryan Woods about the fact that they need somebody beside them with more physicality flair and trickery um, and Woods of course remember he had Diago Raga um, he always has, when he was at Brentford he always was always a big physical player sitting beside him which gave him permission then to get up the field mm. whereas he is within the tr- threesome in midfield he is the one who is primarily sitting. He's the one who um, who will screen the back four. Right. The other problem, and the other problem, this goes back to a team still finding their identity. He often dwells on the ball. One of them said he often gets t- tackled mob-handed when holding onto the ball. But some of that might be because he's still not synchronised yet with the attacking players, with Ince, McLean, Lucas, whoever's playing up front. So therefore, they, they still haven't got the, going back to the old covalent bonds, they still haven't got the, the trust, they still haven't got the the the, the the psychology connected yet between yeah. Woods sitting with the ball and because if, if he's sitting and Allen is going forward you know it, you know it, could that not be a bit more interchangeable Allen's praised for his industry I mean you know they, they, they he's do a good like player, isn't he? yeah and Allen a bit like Butland we mentioned earlier we come on to talk about the defence in more detail but Allen is um, he's another player who's grown into the season his form took a hit from relegation but they they love you know if only ever if only our players worked as hard as he does you know he rarely has a blind he rarely has a blinder but he rarely has a bad game he's mr consistency he closes down and helps the defense out so but the problem is it's it's too much of the same yeah. so although they've spent 50 million which sounds absurd amount of money in our turn it's still you know, the midfield still isn't quite where they needed to be they still need bizarrely more players which is odd um, it feels like when Majorton got money and signed uh, basically five midfielders who were exactly the same didn't he signed Shimonikoski yeah. Norris and Quinn yeah. um, who were three base you know Shimonikoski <coughs> was a little bit different but all of them mm. fairly cloggy central midfielders um, mm. not many creative you know passes in them as, as well Right. And Ryan was to be fair to him, he was signed on deadline day, wasn't he? So he was, yeah. he's still getting up to speed. But yeah, I, yeah. I you, yeah, diminutive yeah. midfield dynamos is they what are, I would describe they, both of them as. They are worried about Woods. They think his form is getting worse. Okay. Actually, they said the Rowett coached Woods has become much poorer than the Brentford coached Woods. Mm. Um, but it's and I think it's just the thing again because it's. I it's, I think it's easy to underestimate. We always think of him as being a terrier running around midfield, but I think it's easy to underestimate the work he does with the ball. Mm. And I think that's the bit that's actually suffering at the moment. He hasn't, right. synch- he hasn't synchronized yet. Klukas is a nice one to move because he will link us nicely into the wingers, the wide players. And this is the other problem that they have, which is that they've only got two wide players in this, that you would call frontline wingers or whatever you, you know, out and out wide midfielders. So you've got Tom Ince on the right and you've also got... Um, uh, James McLean on the left. Now, interestingly, uh, in uh, it was against. Let me confirm. Get my notes up here to confirm. It was against Derby. McLean was taken out. Lucas played on the left as a left midfielder, and that actually balanced the team really, really well because Ince isn't a winger. No, I have uh, the number ten yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But they're playing him on the right and cutting inside because they've no one else to play out there. Right. Um, whereas McLean is, he's an absolute touchline merchant. That's what he does. But when Lucas and Ince played together, it actually balanced the attack quite nicely and they complemented each other. It um, it wasn't so much that the, the fullbacks attacked because that's not that, that's not what they do. Um, Peters and Martina are broad, broadly sitters. They're not players who will, who, who will bomb forward and ping in great crosses. But Ince, um, Ince is, going into danger men, Ince is probably the most dangerous 
play, creative player that they've got, a bit like Carvalho was for Forrest last week. Um, he's integral to so many of the goals because he provides quality in that final third. He does come in off the right. He can. He's less good at crossing. If you can, you know, always show him the outside would, would be would be would be the advice. One of them said about him: if he doesn't produce a moment of creativity, we're absolutely screwed. He carries attacks single-handed. But against that, and we've heard this before about from previous clubs he is also an idle show pony um, <laughs> and he can you know he has times in the game when he will just he will just not turn up yeah. this is beneath me he's he's, he's 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 a classic in that sense he's, he's a classic wide man he can be quiet for long spells but his quality on the ball is all, is often vital and this is so why he's got, in the championship as well that's why he's in the champion exactly that that's why he was with Huddersfield that's where he came from but he's yeah. you know, he's been up and down Blackpool, Hull, Derby, Huddersfield he's always been he's one of those players again we talked about them last week somebody who might be just too good for our level but not good enough for the, to make the step up and <clears throat> but Lucas as I say mirrors a lot of the a lot of the comment about Lucas actually mirrors the um, the comments about um, about Ince Um and he now Lucas is an interesting one because he came from Swansea. He had a knee operation in the summer and has only really come into the team in the last four games. But they really like what they're seeing with him. Um, he's he's a player who can get into space and use the ball well. He makes us them he makes them into a real attacking threat and he does give the midfield a bit more power and athleticism. It might help balance the midfield as he grows into the season. But I still think they need a they do need that Fellaini type player in the middle. But um, but he played on the left as I say and him and in they. That even though wide players, they actually do work as a team, even though they're not touching each other, because they're they're kind of conscious of what each other is doing, and they can stretch defences and 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 create spaces. And they did cause, as a pair, they caused Derby problems. The other option out wide is James McLean, and uh, let's we can go to Macbeth here, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Um, he runs around a lot, and that's yeah. it. And uh, you know, it's and this West Brom fans said this about him. I remember talking to Ben back in the summer about. Um, they were have the West Brom fans were happy to see him go for all of the oh it's James McLean you know it's a, here we go we're in trouble um, his actual goals and assists you don't get much actually, for your money do you no, you don't get a lot for your money one of them said McLean's a threat going forward but we overplayed for an honest trier hmm. when more pace and goals and flair were doing better he ruffled a few feathers and he was hammered for letting Angel Rangel score twice Angel Rangel, he's 36. He's a right back with Queen's Park Rangers. He scored both the goals in the two-all draw. Right. McLean, okay. lost, McLean lost him for the first goal, but he completely lost him for the second. It's worth watching on the highlights. You see, you see Rangel hammering up. He's beetling away. His legs going can't go faster. And McLean, meanwhile, is kind of going, "Oh, look, there's a butterfly." You know, he was going to, he was completely lost. Yeah. And it was, you know, and it wasn't just that he he let Rangel go by two yards. He let him go by the width of the the depth of the penalty box. That's how much freedom he had. And Rangel just. You know, he it was, you know all the Sundays had come at once kind of thing. It was he had a great it was a great goal. That's the problem with McLean. He get the inconsistency, but you don't necessarily get. Apart from him being a focal point in a strange kind of way, he 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 had some aggression, but but you know yeah, he can't you get aggression pass. definitely. Yeah, you can't pass. He can't beat his man, and he can't defend. Which is, is he likely to play him? Is he likely <coughs> to find himself? Well, he did. Well, no. Well, no. He came. Well, he started against. Um, he started against. Uh, Against Reading last week, so he's you know he will he's it depend it it'll be interesting to see what Rao does against us. Mm. I'm presuming everybody's playing the most attacking combinations. We saw that with Guidiura last week for Forest, so That's I presume he's thinking is start, yeah. yeah. But then here's the other mad thing which I'll mention about um about Rao, and this is what drove them again drove them mad late in the game. He took off Ince and he took off McLean, and he brought on Peter Crouch. 
So you have Berahino on one side as a striker playing on on one flank. You've got a full bay on the other and Crouch in the middle. And if you're going to have Crouch, leave McLean on because what McLean will give you is a cross right. for Crouch. Yeah. But and this drove them mad. The, the, you know, it was this. It was just a very quixotic set of substitutions he made, so pushing two strikers out. He played basically played with three strikers. He also brought Bojan on. We'll talk about Bojan next. He's and still it just, there. It just, is he? Okay. Yeah, he is still there. But it, it utterly unbalanced the team. It really, really did. So, just mopping up, as I said, we've talked about the, the two wide players now, Inson McLean and possibly Klukas, if that's the way he goes, and Woods and Alan, as I say, sitting. A um, couple of other quick players to mention, Darren Fletcher, who's a very occasional plan B, um, summed up by the phrase, age is a cruel thing. He wants, <laughs> to be, he, he wants to be in the right place at the right time, but his legs won't get him there. He's now, um, he's, 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 he's kind he's, of moved to the centre, isn't he, having been a yeah. right midfielder, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's 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 to be honest, he's 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 he, they throw him on near the end, but he's he's he basically he'll screen the back line and that's about it. Yeah. And then Charlie Adams, who, who, oh, who Charlie. now, well this I've my, this isn't from the, the this isn't from the OK, this is from my friend Paul. He said his game against Bristol recently summed him up. He came off the bench, he got booked and went off injured. <laughs> And he hasn't been, he hasn't been seen since. Did he try so, to shoot um, from the halfway line? There, he, oh, he did. Oh, he did actually. He did. Paul mentioned that as well. There you he go. did. Apparently, he had one long range effort as well. So uh, anyway, so that's uh, so that's Charlie Adam. So, Charlie uh, Adam, bingo. But, that is yeah. <laughs> that is exactly. But uh, but Bojan is the other one now. Let's talk about Bojan because he's the player. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. He drives them mad because he is the one player who could really balance the midfield with the creativity and quality. He started at Barcelona. He went to Roma and then Barcelona had a buyback clause, I think, and he came back. He's played once for Spain. It's Catalan. But um, one of them, I mean, yeah, 
he adds a bit of creativity and quality, always positive on the ball. He's the one player who can add fl- um, flair and imagination. And then, as one of them said, as predicted, he did nothing when he came on against Queen's Park Rangers. Yeah. I-, I love him, but let's face it, he's so lightweight and ineffective in this division. Um, a fan favourite who's done nothing for three years. And one of them more disparagingly described him as the fan's little comfort blanket. <laughs> so, you know, he's he's... He really splits opinion. He's somebody who could, you know, I, I just don't think he's had, he's had a few bench appearances, but I just don't think Rao trusts them, to be honest. And I don't I think, think he's won for yeah. the championship, is he? He's going to get no, he's kicked. Not. No. Even yeah. more so than when he was in the Prem, <coughs> isn't he? So, Serious, I've got, you know, one of the continent, you know, the Dutch first division or something like that, where you can, you're given time and space on the ball and you can, you know, you can, you know, if you get space, he can be, you know, he is very, very threatening, but, um, but no. But, uh, so that's, that's, so, as we're working our way, we haven't got, we'll come back to the defence at the end. We're kind of looping around. Is that okay, That's Rich? That's fine, but yeah, yeah. Let's, let's have a look at the strikers. Mm. Um, we'll do... <laughs> there's four. Crouch, let's talk. pick pick off Crouch because he's very much the plan B. He, yes. has, come on, he has come on in five of the last eight games. Okay. So he is a proper impact substitute. But they describe him, they think he should never be used for anything other than a last roll of the dice when yeah. we're desperate. It's goal. an aerial bombardment tactic, isn't it? Exactly. One of the things to watch out for, and I didn't realise this, they said he's actually very clever in the air. He'll often drift to the back post to go one-on-one with the fullback. Um, rather than letting, he will decide. Often McGoldrick used to do this cleverly. He would decide the player who would mark him, the, more, the forward marking the defender, right. picking his man. And so he would. So, but Crouch would. He'd rather rather than going up against a big unit at centre half by going to the back post. Is the centre half going to go out? No, the fullback would pick him up because they should Great. swap. Really, shouldn't yeah, they? they? Whoever they someone should be given that job. But he's also, yeah. I think, quite famous Crouch for. I mean, he was when he was at Villa. They was quite critical that he wasn't great in the air for his height. And it's mm. only in, the, in his latter career that I think he started to use that more cleverly. But yeah. he always, to me, I think, the goals that I remember him for are at that, is either the ball at the far post and heading it in, but also back across the keeper. Back a loopy the, yeah. header yeah. back across where the ball's come from. Yeah. So that's something to look yeah. out for. Um, but the thing, I mean, what, he's 37 now. They were saying, you know, maybe... Media to, personality now. Me, me, he? Yeah, that, that, he's now moving nicely into that. But the, the big problem... And it's not a criticism given his age. His lack of pace means he can, he can you know, he means he's often offside. That's that's yeah. the problem with him. But uh, but you know, a good switch it up option if nothing else. Um, uh, should we do now? Benica Fobe and Saido Barahino are the two lead strikers, and there's a problem. Barahino. This can this this can be summed up well. To be fair to him, he is actually he is coming back. They said about the contrast between the two of them um, is that one of them. Afobe is a very good finisher, but his wider contribution to the build-up play is actually quite poor. Berahino can't finish, but he's actually improved this season. He's another one of those players who seems to be coming back from the wilderness. Mm. And actually, although you know, you, you know, he had a, 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 a period when his form completely disintegrated, but Rowett seems to be bringing him back you know bringing him back into the fold a little bit um a phobe first because they're more critical of him um they say they need what they need for the for the, both of these players they feel would be better in a in a pair um both of the strikers but of course Rowett's system it's four two three one or four three 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 in the middle one up front is is how he operates he always has um to play that they, they need a fast aggressive striker who will run all day and feed off scraps Afobe is a flat-out poacher. He isn't best in the air. The ball has to be on his head, 
he won't move to attack the ball so much. Um, they feel that he's actually not a player to feed off crosses. He should be linking more with Lince in St. Lucas on threaded balls in behind for him to run onto. Right. Um, he's also he, they, they say for all of his size he doesn't use the, he does actually doesn't use it to good effect Berahino is only five foot nine, but he's actually a better hold up player because Berahino has actually got more mobility right whereas Afobe is more he's more static and he's he quite chunky isn't he Afobe from what yeah. I remember he is no he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a clever striker in many ways but he doesn't I, don't, I remember he did in the one all draw we had against Wolves um, and this will make Ben smile when there was Sacco and Dicko yes and a phobe <laughs> it always it's a, it's a kind of yeah there it is anyway um, but he did if I'm not mistaken he got the equaliser for them in that one all draw in our playoff season and it was he managed to isolate himself against Tyrone Mings on the back post I could be wrong on that but I remember but I remember he, he I remember thinking he got he's, he's got a touch of quality about him but again a bit like Ince he could be one of those who falls between the two stools mm. that you know because Wolves didn't want to keep him when they went up he's got that odd clause in his contract they've, they've signed him on loan with an obligation to purchase in January which is a strange That's one yeah. yeah but you know not make himself available for passes. That lack of urgency was the other thing about a phobia that came up. Whereas Berahino, <coughs> is they're saying about him, he's turning into an intelligent footballer who holds the ball up brilliantly. He can beat a man and find a pass. And he actually, one of them said he put in a serious performance against Derby in that counter-attacking model. He was brilliant. He was able to get the ball, hold on to it, and then wait for the wait for the cavalry to come hammering up out of out from the back. Um, they've said he hasn't rediscovered his scoring touch but his all-round football is really good he lacks a killer instinct at the moment but he never stops running his movement in contrast to um to a phobe is really really good is so he evolving um, into a bit of an attacking midfielder then is that the more likely destination for you, him you you could actually you could say that you know could he then drop in and then you could actually put put a put a proper focal point up front yeah mm. that could that could work um the other player and you know the way fans can be pretty cruel about um, underperforming players. We need to talk about Mame Burham Duf. Um, we need to talk about um, Mame. Yeah. yeah, he's a he's a yeah. Um, promised everything but delivered nothing. They said about him, he's actually faster, better in the air, and stronger than Crouch. Which isn't saying a lot, I know, but he can't finish. Um, he exposes he's exposes his fullback when he plays out wide. But when they get onto his technique, they've been pretty savage. He's as technically gifted a footballer as a pack of crisps. <laughs> Um, if he's not running around hurrying and accidentally tripping people up, he's not contributing at all. Um, I, can, I can't remember a professional footballer ever having such poor, poor technique. And the killer line, his technique is like a hippo playing with a balloon. Oh, um, brilliant. I can't wait. Absolutely savage. Let's absolutely have a camera from him. No, I remember him in the relegation campaign last year. The ball would come in and he would be just a second too late or it would just go wide or it would hit the post. That 2%, he just didn't have that 2% and it was it was cruel. I think, ideally, I mean, he's a Senegal international. He did play briefly for Man United, but he never, he didn't, that didn't work out a few years ago. And he went off to Germany and he played for Hanover, I think. And uh, and that's and that's where that's where he's been. But uh, I don't know if we'll see him. It'll be a Fobe or Berahino up front, definitely. But um but poor old Juve, that's, that's <laughs> not good. Um, quickly on the back line. Yeah. Um, uh, Butland, as we talked about before, um, <clears throat> Butland to the rescue again. Brilliant at saves, 
coming back into form, re- rebuilding his game in many ways. The only amber light and the, re- the thing they think he needs to work on to get back into the England team, apart from possibly going to back into the Premier League, mm. is th- the question of his distribution. They they do want, think he feel he needs to improve with the ball at his feet and possibly be a bit more assertive. Crosses, not so much into the six-yard box, but outside the six-yard box. He could, he's, he doesn't command that side of his box. He could do without any difficulty, but for some reason... It's it's a it's a little blind spot he has, but generally safe hands. He makes very few mistakes, um, and uh, but he, as I say, he's somebody who's who's his confidence is definitely growing. It's, it's a weird one that he's still there, mm. uh, yeah. Because big name, isn't he? And mm. you know that injury for England, yeah. when, when he probably should have subbed himself <laughs> off and he played yeah. on and kicked the ball and broken foot or whatever. Um, there was an interesting is it confidence with him. Is that a factor? It, confidence was a factor, definitely, um, and that's why I think you know I'd love him and Bart after the game to have a cup of tea together. You know, because oh, they're hug. both yeah, hug. exactly. Just you know, you know with the goalkeeper junior because I think lands, it, yeah. it it did affect it did affect Butland last year, possibly why he wasn't picked up by one of the bigger teams. Though so there was an interesting thread which looked at they went through all the Premier League teams and really if he was wanting to shoot for one of the top six or one of the one of that group of 10 who probably won't get relegated most seasons or won't be in a scrap um, most of them are actually most of those lifeboats are currently taken yeah he's not going to get really, you know, Everton yeah. is he because Pickford's yeah. well yeah. Liverpool side but Pickford's have a good season I, I would, yeah. Chelsea always need an English goalkeeper don't they for their quota for the Champions League or something that would not have been an option but <laughs> hey ho bench warmer that's, yeah, I think Federici's also there but he's I think he's their bench warmer so uh, they could always give they could, yeah, but he's, he's, he's Australian Aussie, actually yeah. he's, he's no use to anyone in that sense um, yeah but so so as I say keeper not a problem centre halves it's interesting Shawcross as I say they love him but it's, the phrase heartbreaking is coming in now. He's um, he's so immobile. He's a pale shadow of his former self. Clumsy off the pace, mistiming tackles. He's only 31, um, but he's been with them for a decade. He's, he's you know he's over 350 appearances. I think he's been very much with them. The killer game, which kind of showed him up, was against Borough last month when he came up against Jordan Hugel, and a lot of them talked about this. Um, he lost every 50-50 header, which Shawcross generally doesn't do. I mean, Hugel is an industrial lump, really, as we know. He's, there's no there's no finesse there. But um, Shawcross lost every foot foot race against him, which is quite scary. And he was a liability on the deck. That's, they're saying he can head the ball, he can get the occasional block in. The other problem he has is, um, with the ball, he you know one of them said, why is he incapable of playing the ball down the line without slicing it into touch? He's kind of, you get a sense he's a player now who's... You know, his 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 career is on the wane a little bit, and um, but they they do adore him. But they say he should only be selected on form. And in contrast, Ashley Williams is a player who came in looking like a spent force, but he's actually grown into the season. Okay, and he's becoming more of a leader at the back now. He's improving with every game. The thing they love about him is his ability to read play. He's 34, and in many ways he's playing like a younger player than Shawcross. Um, he's on loan from Everton. Originally, as we know, ex-Swansea, Wales International. Um, he initially looked like a terrible signing, but he's put in some great displays. Cutting out balls, lots of foot-ins, lots of interceptions. Clears his lines well, no nonsense. Um, he's, he's also, given his age, he's also vulnerable to balls over the top when he has to get into a foot race. But I think they're more confident with Williams and his general direction of travel. Um, he, um, and plan, the other option to go in, is the left-sided Bruno Martins Indy. He, they see him as a solid defensive 
um, centre back wins his first share of aerial duels and a bit like the other two in a way he lacks the art of pace and the ability to bring the ball out yeah. I'm surprised yeah. he's still there because he was quite <coughs> highly rated as well but yeah, on Williams I, mean, mm. I don't think the problem with Williams was um, was mental last season it was physical he was slow wasn't he and he was always out yeah. of position um, yeah. it, it's, a, it's an indication to me that the championship is is less complicated for players like that you know and that's why I'm kind of looking through this yeah. team thinking yeah. Yeah, they might not be a grand physical specimen, but a lot of football is in the brain. We've always talked about this mystical yard in the head. And most yeah. of these players, you look at Joe Allen as an example of that. Yeah. Ashley Williams as well. You'd expect them to be doing a little bit more. And so it's no surprise to me that Ashley Williams is, is finding it easier at championship level because the, the colour of a striker, you know, yeah. what is he like to be facing from us? It's pace yeah. from Jackson or it's hustle yeah. and bustle from Roberts, yeah. both of which he's probably dealt with before. And you get a feeling that for all Jackson's pace, with a long ball being played through to him or a through ball, Williams will see that pass three seconds before it's made. Yeah. yeah. Or let him, yeah. you know, take the ball mm. forward and, and blast it wide or over because he, yeah, mm. he's yeah. used to a higher calibre of opponent, isn't he? Yeah. It's, um, as I say, Martin's indeed, I'll mention on the fullback side, um, Martin Zindy can cover at left back and he has. He started there when he was with Feyenoord, but he's, again, it's the classic fullback going forward he did he played against um i think he started if i'm not mistaken against um was it queen's park rangers he started um he, for some reason he played him on the, as, as a left back which was um which didn't help with the rank it was him and mclean Oh, okay. Up against Angle Rangel, which which didn't work quite well actually, but he's very limited. Go- he's the classic foot centre back at left back, um, very limited going forward. The real player they prefer, and who's much more solid and reliable as a fullback, is Eric Peters. Um, came, he's been he's been with them for when does he? He's when a bit did, of stalwart, he's, isn't he? He's a bit of a stalwart for them. When did he join? Twenty thirteen. Yeah, God, he is five years. But, you know, and um, how old is Peters now? He's thirty. Dutch international. Whatever our problems, Eric isn't one of them. This is the thing with Raoul, the, the, the Broadly, the fullbacks, certainly on the, Peters and Martina, will sit more. Um, so therefore, they don't necessarily bomb forward, um, which does will affect the pattern of their play. Peters enjoys getting stuck into wingers and pound. He does pound up and down the pitch, but he's not. He's not. His strengths are more around his organisation, positional discipline. Um, he they say he offers support going forward at times. And then the great the killer line really is if he holds his position, there aren't many in this league who will get past him. Yeah. So, you know, basically he'll shut down that flank for you. The right side, as I say, Cuco Martina is he was a loan signing and they're kinda of questioning why he was brought in. He's twenty nine. Um he played for for previously for Southampton, but he came they wonder whether they got it was a buy one get one free when they got Ashley Williams. Um He's very wasteful. He gets into decent positions. He's also uncomfortable defensively. His winger, he's he's, some, he's probably the more solid defensively compared to Tom William, Tom Edwards, who's the 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 nineteen year old who's yeah. just come the up and comer. But um, but he's described an old school box standard right back. But he can be done around the outside. They're saying um, his his crosses routinely thud into the first defender. So that's Cuco Martina. Edwards would probably be the one who, against us particularly, would they would. You could see Raul risking, you know, against a team like us if we're, we're who are struggling. Um, he he's he can take he can, he can gamble a little bit more. Um, inconsistent, nineteen-year-old, but a spark of light in a frustrating season. He has some really good crosses. He they feel he's his, his end product could be really really good, but he just lacks experience. It's it's coming, but mm-hmm. it'll just take time. He does give the ball away. He'll occasionally pass to an opponent. You think? Remember, Ken Lock would do that occasionally. He'd just have a moment where he just 
technically switch off for a second, but fundamentally good. But just yes. the odd, you know, still learning curve. Still need a trade, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Edwards is very much in that group. But he, the other good thing about him, though, is he has got good recovery pace when he does mess up. So he can almost he can always come back. So um, he can go back and sort out his problems. So. So that's as I say, that's, that, so that's Stoke then. Um, in terms of what they've got, as I say, it's you can see you can see where the fans are coming from. It's a very good team in terms of the overall shape and balance, but it is still imperfect. And it's amazing that they've spent fifty million and still aren't quite there yet. That's the thing Ooh. that just you know. But it's, that's that's that says everything you need about to need to know about the the championship these days. Mm. Just a. Uh, Quick, before we get to the Twitter questions, just a quick one for me. We've, we found yeah. out, obviously, that the rumours about Scoose's injury are, um, mm. are true today, and he might be out for a while. Um, on, on paper, it looks like the midfield battle is going to be a tough, tough one for us anyway with that personnel. Yeah. Um, but what's your thoughts about um, who comes in for Scoose? Do we try to replace him with someone similar, or do we try something different? Who's fit? Exactly <laughs> right. Well, that was the fit. chat we were having on the Blue Monday group, wasn't it? I think yeah. the best option we had for a defensive holding midfielder was Paul Lambert, wasn't it? Exactly. <laughs> Put your boots on, Paul. Well, exactly. You know, anybody, any, any, any former players in the crowd that we can call on? <laughs> it's a, you know, what's Warky doing? Um, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's, it's a hard one to, to, you know, it's, it's, it's who's fit because Aiden seems to have gone back now to Fulham. He's, he's out of the picture as well because yeah. he was, you know, even Hurst. Hurst Blessing was looking at him at one stage as a, as a potential holding midfielder, which is what he can do. But I've no, I'm I don't know. Can Ward do? Ward can do a man marking job, but it's you know without excuse. We are going to excuse. He has. I always say about him that he has got that five yards in his head. He can see danger before anyone else. He really can, and particularly with the midfield that's been struggling the ways that ours has. You know he. You know he he's been pivotal in a way. He's part of the spine of the team, but also then we saw the more creative side that we haven't really seen much of against Bristol City mm. when he was suddenly you know he was suddenly those passes, yeah. those passes. It was like a quarterback. It was fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. So to Harry Butcher, I think that covers a little bit of your question. Arthur Pickthorne, a similar yeah um, question, Arthur's question about um, he's not um, never been Scuse's biggest fan, um, but other than experience, what what does Scoose offer that we'll miss? Um, yeah, he, he believes our midfielder sometimes looks more exciting without him. Um, all, all he does is intercept the ball and slow the play down. Um, I guess that's what we need at the moment, though, don't we? Do we need, not need that? We do. In any midfield, you need to have... We just talked about it with Stoke. In any midfield, you need to have balance. We talked about it with Forrest. We've talked about it with um, with Preston as well. Having three players who... Compl- it's almost like the team in microcosm. They bal- they balance each other out. And, and what Skews gives us in there is that awareness of danger, calmness on the ball, and it, judgment in terms of the, how the pattern of the game is going. It might sound yeah. vague and, and insubstantial, but you need somebody in there who can who has a sense of where they need to be. I mean, you used to say that about Perlo as he got late into his career, um, that as, you know, he, he, if you wanted to know how well a team was doing, particularly when he was with Juventus, just watch where Perlo was on the field. If the team were doing well, Perlo was between the centre circle and the opposition six-yard uh, penalty area. If the team were on the back foot, he was always back. He was, you know, he just had that sense of he was the fulcrum around the team. And Seuss, in many ways, has done that. He, he may not, you know, he may not be the most exciting, but he gives other players permission to do what they do. Um, it's what Ryan Woods is missing, I think, actually, for Stoke. But also, um, he can, you know, he can. 
he can he's 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 like a he's like a thermometer really on, mm. you know or or, or no, what's a thermostat I should say he's a, you know he can he can regulate the tempo of a game he can regulate the the, the, the you know you, sometimes you need someone to slow the play down to or sometimes you need somebody to you know to 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 to, to add some urgency to it and, and I think Skews can do that not spectacularly no. but he can do but he can do it better than anyone else and it's not his fault that the rest of our midfield hasn't been particularly creative or attacking is it you know no. the the fact he's seeing most of the ball is I would yeah. suggest is an indictment of the players yeah. around him perhaps but yeah. Um, yeah. I've come to grow to like Skooks when you know a few years back I, I was of the opinion he, he might have been a, yeah, a necessary clogger in the midfield but actually now you realise it when it's not there I suspect um, it's quickly on one final quick line um Unseen work in the middle of the field. I always think it's hilarious. You'll have forty thousand people at a game, and there's somebody doing unseen work in front, in full view <laughs> yes. of them all. It's a good idea in every game if when Skusi's playing, just to watch him for ten minutes or watch him for five minutes. Yeah. Don't watch the game. Just watch what he's up to. Just watch him moving around. Just watch the way he's patrolling, and just and and you can see that you can see that what you can see his brain in operation. He's, he's seeing the danger. A quiet word to somebody, you know. You, repositioning somebody he's 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 a very intelligent footballer yeah yeah, yeah great shout um andy grimes um what do you think of playing a straight 4-4-2 against stokes is or jackson alongside <coughs> harrison could be a good strike partnership um one up front hasn't worked for us all season and definitely criticism from paul anderson on the commentary on saturday that um jackson was isolated um any thoughts on a 4-4-2 the danger with the four-four-two is you end up with two isolated players rather than one, particularly <laughs> when you don't have a strong midfield. Um, and if the opposition come on to you and your wingers are suddenly back firefighting at the other end, um, I think I don't don't think we have the quality myself. You know, Lambert could go go out and do it tomorrow, and it'll be you know we go we, you know we go out all guns blazing. That's the worry. I've seen it happen before, where you, you know, a team with a 4-4-2 suddenly finds they're on the back foot and rather than having one player isolated you've got two isolated up front um, that, that that would be my worry with it but um, but it's a thought mm-hmm. it's a definite thought um, given given where we are I don't, I don't I don't think it's about formation at the moment I think it's about just get, keep getting a good balance and shape and getting a and just building an identity and a rhythm really within the team but uh, you know some baby steps but I would be always trying to get back to whatever we were doing against Reading in the first half that would be yeah, yeah. that would be my model but um, and, that, and that wasn't all that long ago either it I'm really wasn't um, and maybe yeah. maybe at the moment we, we're well Forrest didn't mm. endorse that but maybe being away from home is working for us at the moment I don't know um Paul Warner, does this game have potential for three points as Lambert has worked with most of the Stokes squad <coughs> and may know weaknesses? Or is it a case hoping he can outfox Rowett's long ball tactics? Um, any thought on um, Lambert's knowledge of the Stokes squad? Um, I mean, there's a good number of that still there. He'll know a lot of the defence. He may not know because the, the, most of the rebuilding was done in further. I mean, the two wingers are completely new, so he won't know them. He'll he won't know. He, will he, he? He could have. Did he work with a phobia at Wolves? I don't know if he did. I think it was it was a phobia. He was at Bournemouth at that point. He was at Bournemouth at that point, so he hasn't got him to play with. Um, yeah. So I'm not so sure there is. You know, it's um, um, he'll know Berahino, but um. 
I guess it's one thing think, knowing about the players. It's, it's yeah, another it's, thing being able to yeah. coach our players to do something about yeah. them. Well, yeah, exactly. He'll know Joe Allen as well. It's a hard, I'm just looking through the squad here. He'll know probably six of the starting lineups. So there will be some. I think, given that so much of football is on small detail, I think there'll be a few. There'll be a few things, particularly with the defence, Shawcross or some, you know, possibly Peters or um, that he could possibly, um, possibly Young Edwards as well. There might be little things, you know, small little ticks that he's picked up on in training. But um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put. I wouldn't put the mortgage on it. Put it that no. way. Mm, yeah. um, Ash Lewis, um, under Lambert, can we ever expect a McCarthy-esque one-nil grind it out win against all odds? Um, although he's enjoying enjoying the current style, five games and no wins is a worry. <coughs> mm. um, are we like to get the um, those grindy? What well, I our issue is keeping a clean sheet, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, despite the yeah. fact we've got a little bit more of a settled selection at the back. Whilst we've got a goalkeeper that's prone to an error, we just can't grind out one nils if we can't keep a nil. Yeah. It's the spring in new leaks that Muller talked about earlier. It's uh, exactly that. It's, I mean, we can can we talk about Lambert now actually? Because Stoke sure. fans were very complimentary about him, um, and I think many of them would have Lambert back, and it's over overall it. They also felt interestingly, and this was the thing that gave me great hope. They said that he. He was a great motivator, which we know, but they also said he was better at organising a defence, which is something we haven't seen that much of. Mm. But but bearing in mind that he's you know he was able to, you know it's he would if he gets a chance to bring in some better material, you know he can help reshape the back and get that get that side of things um, tightened up. So it was it was a very consoling comment to read. Actually, they said that Lambert didn't relegate Stoke. They would never pin that on him. They think he's light years ahead of Rout. He does play on the front foot, and I, my sense is his comment he said on it was a comment on TWTD, um, which was said we're, we're recording on Thursday evening. This popped up on Thursday tea time. Lambert expects to stay with Town, whatever happens. You have to take these comments with a pinch of salt, but if that was is an absolute beacon in a storm to hear that if he does stay, because even if Whereas with Mick, after five years, I think we all became weary. I think with Lambert, his style of football, I don't think we would ever... It's not the kind of football you would necessarily grow tired of, no. whatever happens in and the short And his positive term. attitude as well. So I, yeah. I listened to that mm. press conference. I have to admit, I I wasn't hugely convinced about the um, the commitment mm. to stay beyond um, yeah. this season, regardless of what happens. Um, yeah. But the way he speaks, the way he talks about the club is totally the opposite of McCarthy that, yeah. you know, frankly, probably if he could have avoided doing those press conferences, he would have, wouldn't he? Um, yeah. Let's be honest. His, his job is match day in and coaching. It's not speaking to numpties in the press. Um, mm-hmm. But Lambert is all about trying to galvanize the town, the club together towards a common purpose. And he talks yeah. about that week after week after week. Yeah. And I think that's something as well that, we desperately need if we do go down mm. to bring everyone together to to regroup to try to get back at the first attempt yeah i agree i don't i don't know if it's in his nature to grind out you know make it was programmed to, to grind out heroic one nil wins i just don't think lambert would take one in the morning if you gave it to him yeah. but i don't think i just don't think that that that's in his nature but we know what he can't we, we do know what he is capable of building and i just think just hopefully he'll stay and we'll get time to do that yeah. Mm. Well, we've talked about this nautical theme. Let me ask this question for you um, from uh, Mrs. Nuts. Mrs. Um, Nuts. Paul Lambert Great says question. he wants to turn the ship, the ITFC ship, around. What kind of ship do you think it is now, or is it just yeah. a small boat battling big ass waves <laughs> on the rough high seas? 
great question. Uh, I smiled when I saw that question. Thank you, Mrs. Nuts. Um, I, I, I made some notes on it. I said, has Mrs. Nuts ever traveled on the Rosslair Fishguard Ferry? It's a bit like that. The journey isn't great and the destination lacks a bit of sparkle. That was my <laughs> initial response. There was a famous Irish Times as a cartoonist in Ireland called Martin Turner. And he did a great, when Charles Hawley back in the 80s, was yeah, there was some political crisis going on. And it kind of echoes the Naked, naked Football Show put up a, a, a gif as well. Um, uh, is echoing Mrs. Nutt's question of a sinking boat. It was Charles Hawley saluting and the water coming up below. <laughs> and yeah. Charles going, steady as she goes. You know, this, you could draw a political <laughs> metaphor. And Susan threw in a pedalo as well, which that actually might be yes. closer to the truth, going nowhere slowly. It was a brilliant question. But uh, yes, um, no, the Rosslare Fishguard Ferry was the first thing that occurred to me. I can tell you, having done it a few times, it's a, you know, it's a, it's, 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 it's a bracing journey, let's just say. Yeah. My answer to that question, and I had a, th- I had a quick thing about this is um is that paul paul hurst was the captain the pilot of our plane and has accidentally landed us in the middle of the ocean somewhere the plane has gone down under hearst the captain's gone missing but we've managed to get on a life raft the life raft is in the arse end of nowhere but we've got one confident guy who knows exactly what he's doing he's done a first aid course but we have a little springy leak and no Mm -hmm. sellotape so we're in a life raft, Harry, but yeah. we have no sign of the shore anywhere. Glug, glug, glug. Exactly. <laughs> we will be eating ourselves before you know it. No, that's a oh, horrible image. No, no, no. Let's no, move, no, no. Al- move along quickly on that one. There you go, Mrs. Nuts. Thank you for asking that one. Um, Brilliant question. We, we teased this one at the start, um, and we've got a couple more bits that we want to end on, but this is something that both of us have been talking about. Um, um, from Benjamin, um, I'm not going to try your surname, so you'll have to tweet me and help me out how to pronounce that for next time around. Um, Benjamin asks, um, rumours have been circulating that Marcus Evans is ready to sell the club. With that in mind, um, can he be held fully responsible for our recent downfall, or do the problems linger elsewhere? It's, it's, we, there was a, I can't remember, I couldn't find the tweet. I, and I searched high and low. There was a brilliant question last week about us focusing too much on Hurst and not turning our gaze on Evans. Um, and was. I think it came up on Sunday as well, didn't it? It, came, it did. Yeah, it, it was really a, a, a opposite question. I think part of the, just to clear that to answer that question, I think the focus on was on Hurst because. I think we've been left aghast at the ever-revealing nature of the problems he's left us. You think, oh, right, oh, there was that. And then you realize, oh, my God, no. It's not just the tactics, it's the motivation. Oh, and he's sold all of our, he's loaned out a lot of our potential players. Just quickly as well. Yeah. Uh, Joe, yeah. Joe texted this earlier. This was in the press conference where yeah. um, Lambert didn't make any reference to us, but said, you don't sign 10 or 12 players. You just don't yeah. do that. Um, yeah. So his transfer dealings as well were caught into question today as well evolutionary little victories as I say I wrote down here every week throws up a new spanner and we can't move for rudimentary hand tools at the moment there's so many of them you know it, that's what that's her legacy to us um, but where does Marcus fit in with this to me the, the, I don't know the problem I have is it's hard to define exactly what Evans' strategy is hmm. because we know we, we know about the football we talked about this briefly earlier we, the, 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 the five point plan and what footballing wise etc and his model is hand the whole thing over to the manager to integrate it and a huge amount of devolved responsibility yeah. but just looking at it from a financial point of view if you're selling a business you normally spruce it up and maximise its value you know I, in, our, in our case it's having it as a viable promotion contender with the upside of a Premier League windfall so the you know the playoff season I know it's been talked about why didn't he spend money in January 2015 that's a huge question when we had a real chance to go for it um, 
Bournemouth, I always remember, brought in Kenwyn Jones. I did. Uh, on loan from Cardiff for just whatever. 20 grand a week, yeah. Yeah, and, and that was, and that was, you know, but, and I just wonder whether it, at the pace of changes now, Cottomet, because not only is there more money coming into the league, there's more money coming into the championship more quickly. Hmm. As I say, as I say, you know, labouring the Stoke point. Um, and managers, without, and again, drilling into the owners relegate clubs concept, a combination of underinvestment and poor judgment usually are the two things that that kind of go together. Looking at where we were 10 years ago and looking at where we are now, those two things in various ways have been the hallmark of Evans's reign. And I hate to say it, and you know, it, the, the, for, just from a financial point of view, it, it'll the re- relegation to League One, if it were to happen, will hammer him in terms of the value of the club. And the income point that you made earlier with the with the with the broadcast revenues collapsing, um, so January will reveal all for me with Evans. This is you know Lambert will want to be backed. He walked away from Blackburn when they they he got the, he kept them up that year, and then when money didn't come in from Venkies, he said right I've yeah, he had a break clause in his contract. He said I'm out of here, even though we didn't have a club to go to. He said right I'm done. Um, so it's it, I'm fascinated to see what will happen in the January window. Um, Lambert, to be fair, it seems to be lining up the horse. The cavalry seems to be already putting its kit on. I mean, He's January. Got, yeah, targets in mind already. Yeah, it's, it's only three, three and a bit weeks away. We're not that far off yet. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what comes over the hill. Um, but uh, as I say, that's that. That's the, the the question I have with 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 Evans from a business point of view. The thing is, it's fine to talk about doing it inexpensively, but clubs like Brentford. And I'd even say Norwich are—they're clever about the way they go about it. Um, Brentford—they have a model which sources players and they sell them on at a profit. Norwich, to be fair, are opportunistic. They did it with Lambert when they took him from Colchester. They did it when they pinched Weber from Huddersfield. They're not—you know—they can be swift and topic. They're tactical, I should say, is the best word. You know, and um, and then they will you know they will back the manager insofar as they can but there is a plan behind mm. it it just feels with, with Evans I don't know maybe he's not a football man but um, it just oh, it, 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 yeah. that the sense of drift as Steve Moore said that's you know it's and there was another little throwaway comment which was made in a recent interview and it was um, I think it was after Hurst left it was one of the one of the people the interim manager said it's Marcus's money we're spending as he likes to remind us and that comment to me betrayed a huge amount it suggested that you know it is all you know it's 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 bits and pieces and if you're if you are spending you know if you're looking to do it on a loose change basis it was you know the the, the financial strategy did this this summer was was catastrophic he tried to mm. make a profit when we're you know as I say, and when you look at what we're up against, it was it was actually quite absurd. I mean, that's my six months. What do you reckon, Rich? I mean, I'm I'm burbling on here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. So to me, I, I've got quite a binary view that Evans is the owner of the uh, owner of the club. So everything <laughs> ultimately is his accountability. So if he's not a football man, he needs to get football people managing the club day to day. I don't yeah. think he realised that. I think he's made very poor recruitment decisions uh, uh, the keen one was probably all about the name and his track record at Sunderland will give him a load of money mm-hmm. relegate and uh, promotion sources but yeah. he totally underestimated the damage that was done by Keane and then followed it up with another poor appointment but the main gripes that we've got as supporters who and 
of, of all of the supporters in the league, we are arguably the most patient and amongst the most placid as well. We yeah. do not. It takes a lot to rile Ipswich supporters, but on yeah. mass, and the the amount of drift that the club had <coughs> from the community and its role in the community, the amount of care and attention that is paid towards the experience on a match day. Um, yeah. Uh, letting people like Brian Klug leave the club and having to get them back. Um, yeah. It's carelessness to me. And the appointments of senior executive people who are new to football, um, it's an easy thing to say that football is a different business. But it is. You, there's, there yeah. are decisions that are made in football that normal business people would just not make because you, football people, the product, the brand, is not the same as high street brand or anything like that. And I yeah. just think Evans hasn't got it. And I don't, you know, the five-point plan was a fag packet job as far as I'm concerned. So for me, in terms of the question, and I am on my soapbox a little bit, um, if it, if you take the view that Evans is the centre of everything because he's the owner, it's his responsibility to appoint a manager that knows what they're doing and do the due diligence before you appoint them. So it's his fault that we got Hurst. Yes, Hurst made a load, yeah. of, load of silly mistakes, but they were mistakes that were unchecked and unsupervised. Let's not be, yeah. you know, nine transfers are not signed off by Paul Hurst. And the names of those players, whilst they're Paul Hurst, the person signing the checks yeah. is Marcus Evans. So to me, I think our predicament is entirely avoidable and and 99% his responsibility. Yeah. And what happens next, as you say in January, will be telling. Yeah. But you know, these mm. rumours of an exit, I don't think are too far away from the truth. Mm. Um, and it could it could relegate us if he tries to walk away in January and doesn't want to give us the money, if we're not relegated already. Yeah. Um, we need to end on a more positive, a positive note and kind of a mini moment of the week, but certainly um, a doth of cap. We, who says with a highbrow end of the Blue Monday podcasts? Daryl, our friend Daryl in Florida. You have Daryl's Ipswich and Stoke combined 11. Um, this is a work of genius, Daryl. It is. You we might have this. accidentally stumbled into a routine feature. We might need you to do your homework. Talk us through this, Harry. Give us your thoughts on this squad. Oh, it's brilliant. He's put together, what Daryl has done is he's put together a combined an Ipswich. Basically, it's in a starting 11 of players who've played for both clubs. And so he's so it's basically it's it's a little bit of Guinevere in terms of you know in terms of in terms of the tombola. It's not particularly so, attacking, is it? <laughs> no, it's not particularly attacking. But you've got to work. He's done his work. work. He's done his work. Yeah. You've got to work with what you can, you've got. Right. Okay. I'm going to run through his team. These are players who've played for both Town and played for Stoke at some to get. They've played for both teams at some point in the, in their career. It's a five-four-one formation, and it's it's delightful. Oof. Beke, okay, ready. Begovic in goal. Now, across the that. back, right, right back, this is where it gets interesting, Danny Collins, and then a back three of Ibrahim Asanko, we want the Stoke version, um, yes. Ian Cranston and Danny Higginbottom, and then at left back, Mick Mills, okay? now then That's a very right, flat back five, isn't it? It's a very, it's a very flat, no, they, they, they we're not talking wing backs, well, Mick might be able to, yeah. you never know. Now, now, this is, interestingly now, right winger, out of position, but can he be any worse? Lee Martin, because he played on loan. He played on loan for, for Stoke from, from Man United. Um, and then the midfield, and this is combustible for me, you've got Brian Talbot and Keith Andrews. Now, Keith. That, will either, that will either work brilliantly, and Andrews will play out of his skin because he's beside Talbot, or Talbot will chin Andrews for disappearing. <laughs> it's, it's binary, that really is. But then on the left, this is inspired. Jimmy Robertson, 
Now, I don't know if that was an absolutely brilliant spot. He was the one. He kept us up in the early Sir Bobby days before he switched across to Stoke. And I think Robertson in front of Mills, they may have actually played together. The left side is really good. And, of course, up front, there's only one player you can have, which is John Walters. So, brilliant team. As I say, the left side, Mills-Robertson works brilliantly. Talbot and Andrews, God knows how that would work. Um, it could work quite interesting. It'd be interesting to know what everyone thinks. But the, the, our right flank with Collins and Lee Martin, Whoa. I just oh, that would be, ooh, yeah. <laughs> Stop those it. crosses! Stop those crosses, dear God! <laughs> yeah, we might we, we might need that. We, we might need the Susan's pedalo, which you talked about earlier. <laughs> yeah, it's not great, but it, brilliant. Thank you. It was well great done, Daryl. Yeah. Then, any week, if you want to chuck one of those in, if there is enough, if there's enough common ground, we'll uh, it'll, we'll happily feature it. Thank Please you. Please do. I've just retweeted that as well. So um, yeah. if if we've missed anyone as well, if there are any additions, we can lob in there. Yeah. Let us know. But Daryl, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. Um, um, before we finish, do mm. you want to? Um, the uh, we have to go back to the um, the the Richards kits of the week. Mm. I want to say uh, the precarious kits of the week. They're still standing. They're still, there. They're, they're still there, very much so. So, what was the connection? So, uh, let me get my angles right. So, this is the last kit. Um, for the, uh, apologies for those on the podcast. Um, the fadey blue kit is the last kit that we've worn to win away <laughs> at Stoke. I don't know which stadium that was. I'm not sure that was the Britannia at that point. It was 97, I think. Yeah. I think it was March 97. Um, and on this side, the 2003 five kit um, was the last time we beat Stoke. We actually beat them two seasons in a row in this kit, but at home. Um, and I can't remember. I think one of them was a Christmas game, I think, or a January game. I think Coochie scored a pretty grubby little goal, but we won 1-0. So these are winning Stoke shirts. Um, I think probably one might get a wearing on Saturday just to see what yeah. we're clutching at straws again Harry. but any any <laughs> kind of things we could do to help I, I don't think I'm going to fit into the uh, yeah. the, old, the older one it's a it's a boys one I think but um, yeah this one <laughs> um, the power gen one might give you a chance mm. should we do some yeah. plugs quickly um, uh, should we talk about your um, blog and your twitter uh, blog goes up lunchtime on Friday on TWTD and it will be featured on at Harry from Bath. If you follow me on Twitter there, any blogs, any pieces I do will 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 go up there. The blog has a lot of the notes we've covered, a few other bits and pieces, plus formations, plus the videos for the last three games as well. So And, and they're pretty good ones. They, they Certainly the last two are good 10-minute long highlights videos. But And there's a section in there which we haven't had time to go into and what they're saying about us. Mm. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll, we won't dwell on that for now. We'll, we'll finish, <laughs> yes. finish on a positive Not note. Positive. <laughs> um, yeah, I love those blogs. Yeah. That's my Friday yeah. lunchtime reading. Yeah. Um, and also, also worth mentioning um, a little date in February. Mm. You wanna, because given that we're playing Stoke now, we will be playing them again. Oh, when are we playing them again, Harry? It's in a, a date late in February, quite or mid February, quite close to Valentine's Day. Is if it? only I could, indeed. What what what, what date is that? Sixteenth. Sixteenth of February. Yes, indeed. My Have you Lord. got any plans after the February? Well, I was going to go to that one, and I was possibly going to go to the Curve Bar afterwards, maybe, and just catch up with a few friends if anyone happens to be there. Oh, there wow. might be a blue, there might be a Blue Monday event on. You I never think know. there is a Blue. I think I've not heard too much about it. Um, there mm. is a Blue Monday event, and I think you can find tickets at eventbrite.com. And you can find details on our Facebook page and our Twitter. And it will be fantastic to see as many people as there as possible. Not least because we need to give each other a big group hug and commiserate. Or maybe maybe things will have turned around by then, Harry. And we'll be able to toast mid-table status. I'm not holding my breath. Our barnstorming eight-game winning run, eh? (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. With Charlie Adams running our midfield and Peter Crouch up front. 
Um, so yeah, please join us on the 16th of Feb. That'd be great. And all of the guys from the Blue Monday crew will be there. A few guys from the EADT as well. But yeah, great to meet as many many of you as possible. Um, uh, you can find me at Ips Rich and our channel at Blue Monday ITFC. And the flagship show is back on Sunday. Um, and it will be a highbrow flagship show. Indeed. Because Harry and I will both be in appearance on Sunday. So looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. And we'll both we we'll both be at Stoke, though we might yeah. not be able to meet up. But So if you find any of us, either of us, well, you might not find Harry if he's in the home end. But um, do come and say hello. Harry, that was brilliant. Thank you again for all of your research and um, insights. Cheers, Rich. Have a great weekend, everyone. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.